Or I don't know if it's graduate. It might just be transfer, but tight end. Riley Moore. Swipe Right Sports it is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. It's a uh, landmark 40th episode. And that's right, you heard Riley Moore last week. It's those deep cuts, baby. That's what you need. And there's more of those coming, I'll tell you. And that's what we're doing here. It is CFB, DFS, week three preview day slate. There's a bigger board, so let's jump right in. Okay, welcome in, one and all. It's a kind of a big boy board this week. It is 11 games on the day slate. Uh, North Carolina canceled uh, due to, I think, a COVID outbreak with Charlotte. So uh, don't play any of those guys. But let's start in with uh, the first game here. It's Citadel at Clemson. The line, I believe, is not available. I don't think there is a line or a total as of right now. And, uh, well, let's just start off by saying I think we can safely ignore the Bulldogs of Citadel. I did look at their game against South Florida. It seems like they have a dual-threat quarterback, and they barely could, like, complete a pass. I just, whatever. Uh, yeah, we're not playing one. Um, and I think the, the story here is game flow concerns and heroes on the Clemson side of the football, similar to maybe, like, a West Virginia last week that we talked about with uh, Alec Sinkfield and Troy Mathis. It's going to be about the back of running backs for Clemson, where you find probably most of the value. And uh, other things to consider here when you're looking at the back of running backs is they did not have LJ Dixon or Ches Malusi last week uh, available due to injury. So they should be back this week available and uh, probably in the mix for carries. What we did see last week for Clemson in their blow and overwake is a little bit of Demarcus Bowman. They're a big play, highly recruited stud freshman, and um, also freshman Kobe Pace. And they kind of talk about these guys as, as Bowman is the lightning to Kobe Pace's thunder, and uh, they both have really good prices. So I think if it's, if it's me, I'm going for Bowman just because he projects as the bigger play guy who can do more with fewer touches. Um, and so he could make your day in one big play. So I, I tend to target those guys more if I'm thinking they're going to see maybe eh, eight to 10 touches in a second half blow win over the Citadel. Um, last week, kind of going back here a little bit, when LJ Dixon was out, it was Darian Rencher was the primary backup role. Uh, he's the senior. So, uh, Again, it's kind of a guessing game. You know, you kind of assume the risk when you're trying to play these things and, and speculate, which is what you have to do to compete in these contests. So I think if it's me, uh, my favorite guy is Demarcus Bowman, as I said, because of the upside potential and all that big play um, ability he has. So let's get out of here. I don't, I don't think there's much else to talk about. It's just... You know it's going to be um, probably uh, one half of the starters, 
And uh, it's anyone's guess with this running back situation after that. So uh, the wide receivers we talked about last week, it seems like it's still working itself out. I don't know that I'm ready to pay the price because of that lack of clarity and game flow concerns right now. Uh, and it, we talked about, I think it was Ladson Jr. was my favorite guy, but the guy who um, had the eye of quarterback Trevor Lawrence the most was junior tight end Braden Galloway. Uh, I think he had something like five catches, 60 yards, and he was going looking his way a lot. So um, he's at 4,500 right now. I might opt for him over some of those higher priced receivers just because he seems to have a safer floor. Um, but altogether, I think I can shop elsewhere. So let's just move on and go to everyone's other highly anticipated game, Austin P at Cincinnati, a line of 33 and a half over under 52 and a half. Um, I think we can also say we're out on the Austin P Governors after their showing last week was a 55 to Dick loss um, against Pitt. So, yeah, not a great outlook for Austin P. So let's just get out of there. Uh, next for Cincinnati, it's all about Dokes, Jared Dokes. He looks to be the man at running back after the departure of Michael Warren uh, Jr. to the pros. And I just love saying the word dokes because of uh, the fictional character on the TV show, Dexter. I really enjoyed him and his, his general attitude towards uh, Dexter. It was very, very enjoyable. Um, but after that, running backs to watch and some of this game flow stuff, similar probably we're going to see that we talked about with Clemson. Uh, backups are Jerome Ford for Cincinnati. He's a Bama transfer. And uh, Charles McClellan is kind of an interesting play, I think, and someone to watch. He was injured off last year and was a more kind of explosive type player. Maybe like we talked about with Demarcus Bowman for Clemson. I think he's someone if he gets you know eight to ten touches in the second half could break a big play and really pay off. So uh, somewhat intriguing uh, as far as a backup running back. And copy and paste my comments from Clemson wide receivers to Cincinnati's. It's just one of those things where I think if I'm paying the price uh, for these higher price receivers that could definitely have a, a good game. I think there's a little more game flow risk here and it's the situation where you know they're probably good for maybe four maybe five offensive scores in the first half and if they're not in on one of those the chances are they're just not going to be playing in the second half and I don't know I, I, I think there's other places you can spend your money better where you don't have that risk so um, that's all I have to say about this game let's keep moving because we got more games to get to uh, and this is where I think it gets exciting Tulsa at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State minus 23, over under 66. If you listened or read my stuff at all last year, you know my affinity for American Athletic Conference football. Um, I love these teams, and I think it's because there's lots of value on DK usually week to week, and I think there is with Tulsa here on offense that returns nine starters. In this very same game last year, they had 400 yards of offense and three touchdowns. Um, so... And I think will also be some positive game flow for them, right? They're going to be behind. They're going to keep passing. And uh, I think they have a competent quarterback in, in Zach Smith to do just that. He's really reasonably priced, I think, around 6K, maybe a little under. And I think that's actually kind of a misprice, to be honest. Um, the other one, in one of my favorite price floor upside plays at wide receiver this week is Sam Crawford Jr. He proved time and time again he's capable of having big games um, in the right spots, and I think this is one of them. Also, Keelan Stokes serves as kind of the, the wide receiver one to Crawford's 1A. 
Uh, both have really reasonable prices. Sam Crawford, much better, 4,800. So I love him here. And as far as some uh, deeper cuts here from the wide receiver slot, Tulsa. Juan Carlos Santana, which I can't believe. <laughs> just, let's just time off for a second here. I mean, what are these parents doing? They named this kid Juan Carlos. One word. The last name Santana. Carlos Santana. I mean, what? It's just, why? You don't, what are you doing? You're not helping. <laughs> just, just, anyway, I just, I, I had a laugh when I saw that. I just, okay. Regardless, uh, Santana is a pretty good, um, Kind of dart throw candidate he's a, a minimum price 3k and he typically when he makes a play it's, it's a longer play he has a lot of like one catch for 23 yards here uh stuff like that so i think if you're looking just to fill out a lineup and say hey i'm looking for kind of a bagel proof guy with some decent you know sneaky upside maybe make a big play um I think he's a good candidate there. The other one who I think is a little bit mispriced at 3,700 is Josh Johnson. Um, if you look at his game logs last year, he was a safe three to five catches, 50 yards guy. So um, again, really solid uh, prices if you're just trying to get your remaining price per player up to the guys we all want. So in speaking of those guys, for Oklahoma State, we all know, it's Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace. Yes, we all want to play them. Not going to spend time on them. Um, we're trying to figure out ways to get you the money to do that. So, um, and as far as the uh, quarterback situation for Oklahoma State, I just think there's better value on the board than Spencer Sanders, and we're going to get to that. I just don't see um, a big reason for paying the price for him. So let's just move on and get to the next game on the board. It's South Florida at Notre Dame, 25 and a half. Uh, is, is Notre Dame the favorite and over under 49? Let's keep it simple. Out on South Florida, besides potentially Johnny Ford, who I think is a little bit of a misprice. Uh, he is a, definitely a big play threat guy. I think he's probably bound to get you know 15 touches or more at running back, um, and he can take it to the house. So um, he's definitely someone to consider, and the only option I would really consider in this offense. Um, they, I think they were the one who beat or the citadel last week or in their first game and they still struggled to kind of you know move the ball and it, they didn't have great numbers i'll just put it that way so um yeah that's the reason we're just kind of leaving them alone uh and the way this game script goes they may not score a td moving on to notre dame we talked about last week i was a little bit uh squeamish on the running back situation didn't know what to trust that became very clear Kyron Williams looks like a potential star in the backfield, uh, so we know we want him as well. And as far as the Notre Dame wideouts go, still kind of murky. And again, I don't know I'm ready to pay the price for some of these guys uh, that are up there. It's just, it hasn't played out enough for me to really trust anything and burn a slate. So uh, that's all I'm going to say on it. Find a way to get Kyron Williams in your lineup. Other than that, ignore this game. All right. Um, Houston at Baylor is the next game. Baylor minus four over under of 61 and a half. Not really interested too much in the RBs on either side. There's too much workload uncertainty, and I, I'm paying up at this position this week in general. I want to make that clear. I want as much Dokes, Kyron Williams, Chuba Hubbard, um, and then the guy from Boston College we're going to talk about, David Bailey. 
I want to get as many of those guys in my lineups as possible. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to cut at quarterback and wide out where I think I can find the most value. So um, and, and so these running backs don't have a ton of interest in. There's just a little bit too much workload risk. Uh, so let's just talk about the receivers for, for Baylor then. Tyquan Thornton looks to be the clear wide receiver one now that Denzel Mims is off to the NFL. The rest of it is kind of a wait and see on how it works with Baylor wide receivers. My favorite candidate to break out would be Josh Fleeks, and I think he has a really solid price. Um, he's made a lot of big plays in limited opportunities there in his time, so uh, I like him the most, and I, I think he's has the best price of the of the group. I think it was uh, R.J. Sneed. He seemed like he was 6,200. I just kind of lacked some of the big play. Maybe a safer floor guy, but I don't know. Didn't seem to have as many big plays, so. Uh, I wouldn't pay that price, and I think I can find better values elsewhere. Onto the Houston wide receivers, I think there's some good value with Keith Corbin at 4,900. I think the price will go higher in the coming weeks. He's coming off a redshirt year. He's a big, physical jump ball guy um, who can kind of get those back shoulder throws, um, lobs in the end zone, all the fade routes, all that stuff. So I think um, right now he is undervalued in terms of his DK price. We all know, if you listened last year, my Trayvon Bradley. Um, and I, I kept playing him last year. And he, he was usually a, a bagel proof. He'd get a few catches. And then one week, he uh, got a big touchdown. So that was uh, very exciting. Uh, I, I don't know I'm ready to pay his price now because it's like 3800 something like that. The one guy I do want you to be aware of, who I am strongly considering as a bare minimum price candidate, is Juco transfer Nathaniel Dell. He's that joystick gadget type slot guy. Ton of speed, 4-3-40. He, I think, is my favorite favorite bagel-proof uh, candidate on the board at the minimum price. Kind of like last week's, like, Briley Moore, something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think you should definitely consider him if you're looking to build lineups that way. Uh, that's all I have on this game. Let's just keep moving. And I love this next game as well. A uh, lot of interest here. UCF, Central Florida at Georgia Tech. UCF minus 7.5, over under 63. So the big story last week for Tech, and something I was tweeting out and talked about and wrote about and blah, blah, blah. Jeff Sims gets the nod, true freshman at quarterback. Um, and I think he was originally a Florida State commit and ended up pivoting to Georgia Tech uh, because of the coaching change there. Anyway, got the start, was shaky at times, super erratic, up and down, but coaches stuck with him, and he led the team to a victory, also led them in rushing. Um, so I think you have a really great dual threat guy um, with all the, the, the rushing stats upside, and here's the deal. DK just didn't adjust, frankly. He's way underpriced. He should be probably closer to 65-7K, and I think they kept him around 58K, something like that. And it's just, uh, you just got to take advantage. Uh, he's my quarterback this week, no questions asked. And I think also Jalen Camp, he is probably the biggest, not biggest, but maybe just the closest thing they have to a wide receiver one. And I think he's way undervalued as well at 4K. I know he wasn't the top receiver last week, but... Still, he's going to be in the mix, and I think this Sims guy is just going to get better, and I like what I saw. So um, definitely all in on Sims and Jalen Camp this week 
as uh, great foundational pieces for my lineup. And uh, yeah, I, and in general, look, I, I kind of like what Jeff Collins is doing here in year two. And if you're looking for like ATS bets and that's your thing too, I think Tech's a live dog. I really do. Uh, so look, after that hot take, let's talk about UCF. Arby's all have a solid chance to outperform the price, but, but you should be aware, and I warn you now, there is a goal line dilemma with this team that developed last year. And what it is, it's the Daryl Mack Jr. effect. A lot of times what they ended up doing, because they were struggling in the red zone and struggling on the goal line, is they would put in backup Daryl Mack, Mack Jr., who's a more of a running threat than Dylan Gabriel, and he was taking over a lot of those sets and ended up scoring a lot of the touchdowns, whether he's throwing them or passing them. And all this does is just take a lot of upside off of all the receivers and backs in UFC's offense. Doesn't mean they're going to do it again this year, but I think it's just something to be aware of as you're watching this game that this is absolutely a possibility and just a, a risk that you're assuming when you're playing the guys like Dylan Gabriel, um, Otis Anderson, Greg McRae, and all their uh, all their big big receivers that project to score a lot of points. So just something to be aware of. Um, Otis Anderson probably the safest floor guy because of his receiving skills as far as the running backs go. So um, that's what I got for that game. Let's move on to App State at Marshall. And I, did, I forgot to write down the line, but I think it's something like App State is minus four. It's a small line and over under around 50. Anyway, App State, very run heavy offense. And they're looking to replace their workhorse from a year ago who's on the NFL, Darrington Evans. With him gone, it's kind of a three-headed monster. At least it was through one game. Uh, makes it tough to pay, but um, if I had to pick one of these guys, to be Marcus Williams Jr. just because of his big play ability. Um, I, I want to pay for guys that are capable of making, you know, taking to the house uh, in maybe just one play, and especially if they're in timeshares. So uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, in receivers, Corey Sutton for App State sitting out this season he's a COVID opt-out and so that leaves my uh, CFB DFS favorite cocktail because it sounds it sounds like like a Tom Collins or Hennigan's on side it's Thomas Hennigan he's the de facto wide receiver one for um their quarterback now what's his name I can't think of it doesn't matter we're not gonna play him anyway we're talk, playing Jeff Sims so uh but he he broke out nicely last week showed he was capable of that role with a 5 121 line and he was also very productive last year when Corey Sutton sat out. So I think you can trust him at his price of uh, just about 6K, I believe. And then as far as Marshall, I, I think I'm just out altogether on them as well. Um, we just learned nothing from their game a couple weeks ago against Eastern Kentucky. They made uh, that quarterback look like he was Brett Favre or John Elway. Every time he threw, it was just a wide open guys streaking down the field. And, you know, I, I just... I need to see more before I invest in this offense in any of the receivers, quarterback against a quality opponent like App State, and they are. Um, so let's get out of here. Let's move on to the Raging Cajuns at Georgia State. Louisiana Lafayette, minus 17, over under 58 and a half. Peter LeBlanc from last week, baby. That's right. Um, or as someone, a fellow enthusiast, referred to him as uh, who was messaging me during the game 
and just texted me La White exclamation point. And I got a kick out of that. So uh, LeBlanc or La White, whatever you want to refer to it as. But what's funny about this is uh, this price correction is such a, it's an overcorrection. So last week I talked about how they're mispricing this guy. It's like, it should be probably closer to 5,500 each week. And now it's 7K. So I, I don't know that he's worth 7K. Uh, maybe in a week where they project to throw the ball a lot, but this is a very run heavy offense. Um, so, and that's why I think there is some solid value for both Elijah Mitchell and Trey Ragas. Um, and they just got a plus matchup this week. I would opt for Mitchell over Ragas just because he seems to have a bigger, uh, more involvement in the passing game. So, uh, Georgia State out again on this team. Maybe besides, maybe, Cornelius McCoy, who's their wide receiver one. But, look, they got a new starter at QB they need to break in. And uh, running back, they had a loss of their uh, cowbell, Trey Barnett. And, look, there's just a lot of question marks in this offense, and I, I, I can't trust paying these prices and, and kind of burning the slate like I talked about before. You know, you don't, you don't want to go in on these complete question marks. Some of them are, are okay to speculate on. I think there's good reasons to. But uh, I don't feel like it's here with Georgia State. So let's just get out of here and go to BC, Boston College at Duke. Duke minus six over under 51 and a half. Pretty straightforward. Uh, once again, out on BC pretty much altogether besides running back David Bailey, who now looks to take over the um, monster number one role that A.J. Dillon had last year. It was super productive. There's a new head coach here. And again, you know, new regime, COVID offseason. So there's not going to be a whole lot. They're just going to be able to, to pivot to her new philosophies to implement. So I definitely think they're going to go back to their bread and butter, which they know how to do is hand the ball off to David Bailey and let him go. So, um, yeah, David Bailey and then the rest of Boston College just put him in the garbage for this week. Uh, also not interested in Duke, really, besides Deion Jackson and maybe Noah Gray at tight end. I think they both have solid floors, and this is a much better matchup than Notre Dame last week. So I think their upsides are nudged up a bit as well, and they, they have just solid prices. You know, don't got to pay a ton. So... Deion Jackson, no gray. Other than that, I'm out on Duke. Let's get out of here and go to Navy at Tulane. Tulane, minus seven, over under 48 and a half. Uh, both have one game of results to reference, and I think both suck. So I, I can't play anyone on Navy after seeing a 55-3 loss to BYU. It's just not happening, uh, especially for their prices. The only ones you could even consider anyway are Carruthers, which is their up back in the quarterback so i'm just not paying those prices so moving on to that from that the only guy i would consider and this is where kind of talk about with some other situations that are questionable um but i think one might be worth speculating here if you're willing to take a risk is redshirt freshman ty j spears ton of talent and big play upside the only guy I would roster in this game. Um, and he had, in his first game action, I think he had something like 11 or 12 touches and got over the century mark in total yards. So I think he's the one guy to consider. Other than that, ignore. Let's move on to the final game of the 11-game board. It's Cuse at Pittsburgh. We're out on the Syracuse Orange. Not the Orange men. That's right. It's 2020. We can't say Orangeman anymore. 
and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, look, eight returning starters from an already uh, top defense in the ACC last year in Pitt. They were top 10 nationally in sacks, tackles for loss, very Pat Narduzzi-ish sauce there. Um, and I, I just think it's going to be a tough putt for Cuse again this week after their uh, embarrassing loss to North Carolina. And, oh, lat, the, the 202 yards of total offense doesn't really encourage much either. So I, you see that, and you just go, okay, well, what do you want me to do here? It doesn't mean that could happen or some guys could have good games, sure, but I'm just not interested. I think there's other places I can find way better value. So let's talk about the pit backfield, a little bit crowded. I thought coming into the season, A.J. Davis was going to get his opportunity to have the uh, lion's share of the workload. That is not the case. Vincent Davis was named the starter before last week, or I think it was two weeks ago was their first game. Not sure. But anyway, they had one game in the books. Vincent Davis got the start in a majority of the work. It was against a very um, bad opponent. I think it was Austin P. Uh, and he got the majority of the work when the game was in question, scored a touchdown. AJ Davis was in there as well, but I think if you had to choose, Vincent would be the choice. And uh, it's a plus, plus matchup, so... I think both are, are decent plays, but Vincent is the one I would go for. I think the story uh, and where the, the really intriguing part of this game is wide receivers for Pittsburgh. And uh, their, their most talented, most productive guy gone from last year, Maurice French. The de facto wide receiver one that looks to be stepping in now is Taysir Mack. He did not play in their first game, but it is expected to be back this week. So he'll definitely have an impact. He's the most expensive guy, the obvious one. Where I think you want to look at more is the value of Shockey, Jocks, Lewis. Great price, floor, upside combo. Big play guy. Um, can can make your day in one play. And then maybe other than the Houston guy I talked about, kind of my Briley Moore of the week, freshman Jordan Anderson. Widely regarded as maybe like an immediate impact guy. Got the start in the slot in their first game, and Penny, can't Penny, Kenny Pickett, uh, Pittsburgh quarterback, was hitting him early and often out of that slot. He had seven catches for 35 yards in the first half. Also had a 15-yard run. So clearly a guy they're trying to get the ball to in space. He can do a lot of damage uh, on short throws, and he's already involved. So. He's at, I think, 3,500. And I think a, a phenomenal building block, someone you should consider to start out your lineups with. Um, and that, that is it. That is the 11-game board. I did it. We did it. Thank you for listening. Good luck to you this week. Um, I think it should be fun. It's a bigger board. And hopefully it'll give me something to forget my horrible U.S. Open lineups. And we will see you next time. If you like NFL gambling picks, coming up next, I'm bringing in that segment back with the doctor. Came out hot last week, four and one. You don't want to miss what he'll have to say for this week. Stick around and find out. Thank you.
Uh, we are here. It is week two in the NFL, and um, I am joined, as always, by the doctor. How are you, and what is the cut line going to be in this fucking U.S. Open? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm good, Bob. Good to be with you. Um, we got wild times. Glad we're uh, back talking football here. Cut line, the afternoon looks like it's going to be, be ugly. Um, at last check on the course right now, I think there were five guys under par for the day. So I think the cut line started at like plus three. Uh, to start the day, I think we're probably looking at plus five or plus six when it's all said and done. Yeah, it's always fun when you put a lot of effort into um, any gambling endeavor on a golf tournament. And pretty much like early Friday afternoon, you're like, well, that was fun. Yeah. Um, it's, it's over. So yeah. um, all, all my all my lineups are trash. But either way, uh, that's why we move on to our picks for the NFL. Now, just to set the stage here a little bit. Last season, when we did this, we went through the entire board each week. Um, it was a monumental, Herculean task that we <laughs> that we uh, put ourselves through. Now, this season, because it's a little different, uh, we don't know if it could even finish. <laughs> We're just going to keep it to our, what we call the Power 5 selections, our best bets. That I think at some point we needed to change the Fade 5 um, at some point in the season. So uh, these are our, our five against the spread bets for each week. And just to um, review kind of where we were at last season. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to spin it. So it's positive. I, awesome. I, spin, I have spins with both of us. I would um, expect nothing less from you, Bob. Yeah. You know, you're in the spin zone. Um, so <laughs> previous year, 2019, I was 36, 47 and two. Um, in the Power Five, I was actually better in my non-Power Five selections, which is really strange. But uh, that was 43%. Now, I just want to. Here's the spin. Here's the spin. All right. The previous two years, in 2017 and 18, over the course of those two seasons, I was 96, 73, and six, a 57% winning percentage. I don't know what happened. I don't. It's all documented either on Twitter, fakepigskin.com or wherever. It's out there. You can go check it. The work is documented. Um, and so just kind of a little mishap last season. I'll get to that later. I'll talk about the lessons I learned. Uh, and overall, that makes me over the past three seasons, 132, 120, and 8, 52% overall positive spin. Last week, opening uh, week one, we did not do this pod, but I tweeted it out there. You go check it out at Real Bobby Adcock, at Sports Pod Hookup. I was 2-2-1. Two, two and one. And uh, the doctor, who we maybe were going to rename the physician's assistant at one point, uh, you came in hot at 4-1 last week. Now, last last season in general, you were 40, oh, sorry, 38, 42, and 5. 48 winning percentage, but 7 of the last 11 weeks was a push or better. So, non-losing weeks. You finished very strong, and you followed up. You came in hot with 4-1. How are you feeling about this year and, um, and in general? Well, that's good. It shows that I can close. Um, I'm like Tiger, who doesn't seem to be able to do that anymore with that uh, bogey double finish yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I feel good about it. Last week was uh, 
last week they were, it wasn't really sweating them out either. It was it was pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, these first four or five weeks, especially with the COVID stuff, uh, it's always kind of interesting to see how the how the point spreads work out. So uh, I'm excited about it. Should should be fun. And there's always some you know always some interesting things that we learned here in the first couple of weeks. Yes, and let's talk the board. Um, so last week there were. As far as favorites and underdogs, the favorites were six, seven, and one. As you recall, last year, the, it was the year of the dog. I mean, yeah. for the first first eight, nine weeks, the dogs were killing it. Home favorites were a disaster. So six, seven, one, pretty even. Last week there was two pickums, so um, just fourteen uh, against the spread, wins or losses. Home road, uh, nine and six for the home teams. Home favorites were five and four. Home dogs three and two, substantial favorites, which we consider to be favorites of seven or greater, were three and two, and then outright losses of of substantial favorites. There was those two. It was the Niners going down to Kyler, and it was the Colts uh, uh, flaming out in Jacksonville. So that was uh, already two two uh, teaser disasters right there, uh, yeah. ru- ruining everybody. Uh, and this week, this week we have 10 home favorites. We have five home dogs. There's one pick em. And seven substantial favorites. That of Tennessee, the Niners, Pittsburgh, TB12 or Tampa Bay, which we'll get to. <laughs> Z- Zona, KC, and Baltimore, which I think KC and Baltimore probably be in the substantial favorite category almost every week. Uh, so... As, as stated, we're just going to get right into our best bets of the board this week. Um, how is it looking to you, and do you want to give your first selection? I will, and just so the, the audience knows, we don't know each other's power five at this point, so uh, it could be interesting if we have some conflicting conflicting games. Um, I think we will. <laughs> and, and Bob, we, we uh, I took the lines off ESPN. I didn't, didn't see lines from you, so if you have an adjustment, feel free to, to adjust me along the way. Um, I am going to start in Philadelphia, the Rams at uh, the Eagles. I have um, Philly plus one at this point. Uh, I think this line opened at Philly minus four, I think, and has moved all the way uh, to where they're now getting points. Uh, I myself here in Mm -hmm. uh, going with the Eagles. Uh, I think we have a big overreaction to to a week one uh, meltdown. so, you know, a big thing everybody's thrown out is Philadelphia gave up uh, eight sacks to the to the, the Washington football team. Yes. Um, and you have Aaron <laughs> Donald coming to town, and that should be a big a big negative. Um, yes. You know, I think they're going to plan differently. I think they'll take a more conservative approach. I think that's going to be a point of emphasis this week. So, from a football standpoint, I think that's a um, you know a big thing they're going to focus on, and they're, they're going to have to get better. There, uh, you know, plus the, the crowd uh, in the Republic is loving the Rams. So I, I'm, I'm going Philadelphia plus one, um, you know, a couple other ATS stats for you to start the year. Uh, the Rams are <laughs> 0-6 straight up and against the spread in their last six games against the Eagles. Okay. Uh, so now you always say those are different teams. Fair enough. But they are at six, at six straight. Um, I'll give you two more, which is a, a little bit more of a just generalization of the NFL. Uh, teams that lost as favorites in week one are 40, 28, and one um, against the spread the following week. 
So the Eagles were a favorite last week, lost a big lead. Uh, so it's 59% advantage here. Also, taking that a step further, if they're an underdog, which they are now in week two, these teams are 28, 16, and two. So that gets you up to 64% uh, against the spread there. So I think there's some value here with Philadelphia uh, plus one. All right. I mean, I hate to do it right off the bat, but uh, as you may recall, uh, I, I proclaimed that they were the Lambs last year, not the Rams. Yep. yep. And I talked about Todd Gurley, my whole theory about how um, it really was all based on him and their all their success was kind of predicated on his explosiveness and being able to do the play action and get guys in space and all the screen game and everything and also having the running backs be effective receivers for golf who you know is 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 a good quarterback but he's he's not a difference maker so um however what i saw on sunday night from the so-called lambs i reversed them to the Rams, and i liked a lot what i saw from malcolm brown uh second or third year running back he was very effective, and I'm also very high. He did not have a good game, uh, but I expect him to improve on Cam Akers. But overall, I think McVay figured out what I just said about Jared Goff, that he's okay, he's all right, but you can't rely on him. Dropping back, you know, 50 times a game and throwing the ball over the place, it's not going to work with him. And he figured that out because they ran the ball 35 times for 124 yards. The running backs had four catches, 35 yards. They got the screen game going all the play action going all back to the old style that they're doing in a couple of years ago when they got to the Super Bowl. So I think they're getting their identity back. And what you said also about Philly, the offensive line being beat up, banged up a mess, and now possibly the most imposing defensive lineman in football, maybe one of the best football players in the NFL, really, Aaron Donald coming to town. It's a tough, tough putt, I think, this week for Philly. And I have the uh, formerly known as the Lambs, the Rams, uh, and I have it in a pick. So I'm, we're going to go with a pick. Mm. I, it's one of my uh, best bets, the Rams in a pick at Philly. I think they get to 2-0. and I, I like what I saw from them, and I think it's going to be a big bounce back year. Um, You're already sucked in. You're already getting sucked into the masses. Uh, real quick, <laughs> are Brown or Akers on any of your fantasy teams? Acres is pretty much everywhere, and it was yep. uh, exactly. was, okay. it was it was a tough one watching Malcolm Brown outshine him. But it made I made up for it because I picked up Benny Snell before the Pittsburgh game on Monday night, so I felt all good right. about that. Okay. Uh, all right, all right. So I have the Rams. You have Philly. Um, how about you go with your next game? Okay, I have uh, Atlanta at Dallas as my next game. I have Dallas uh, minus four. Um, you know, interesting here, I think you have um, two teams that have high hopes this year, and there are, uh, you know, a lot of talks of, of playoffs for both of these teams with a lot of, a lot of talent, and I'm using quotations. Um, real quick, a history of 0-2 teams making the playoffs. Uh, since 2007, uh, there have been 107 teams start 0-2. Just 12 have made the playoffs, so that's 11.2%, and none of the nine teams that went 0-2 last season made it. So... You know, big, big game here for these two statistically, if you look at that. Um, must win. Have, yeah, I mean, seriously, kind of a must win. And, and more so, I think, for uh, for DQ. So I, I have a question for you. I'm going to assume, uh, and this will give away my pick, I'm assuming 
Atlanta's going to lose this week and so will Detroit. Hotter seat after week two, uh, Matty P or Dan Quinn? It's Dan Quinn because I think they actually have a real front office and ownership group, but um, it, sh- it should be Matty P. Uh, he's been a disaster from uh, day one. At least Dan Quinn went to a freaking Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, that's all yeah. I can say. Okay, that makes sense. I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. I mean, here's the deal. Like, you know, Dan Quinn fought hard for his job last year. Um, he did. And, and got it. And you kind of wonder, like, you know, what, what's really changed? And, you know, it's only one week, but week one looked you know, very similar to the things you'd see last year. And it, it very bad defense. Match. Yeah, terrible. I mean, they got scorched, right? And he's and a defensive they, coach. Right. <laughs> so, so is Matty P. And the fourth right. quarter was good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of this talk of, like, you know, all these offensive weapons. And I get it, you know, on paper. And if you look at 40 times and stats and what they've done, this group of receivers looks talented. And, and so does Matt Ryan. But they don't show up until they're down two-plus scores in the fourth quarter, right? I think Matt Ryan threw for 450 yards, right? Yeah. I, want, I honestly like 250 came when they were already down 28-12 and there's, you know, midway through the third. It's like, okay, go, go ahead, guys. Like, Sounds like a, someone we know. Swing like around, someone. swing around, check down staff. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I, I thought Dallas looked okay in, in week one. I mean, there's certainly things you can critique and, and they're going to they're gonna kind of learn and grow with McCarthy and stuff. So, I'm going Dallas minus four here. Okay, uh, I have it at four and a half, so we're gonna okay. keep it at, at four and a half. But um, that was kind of a stay away game for me. I, I don't, I, I, I agree with you on Atlanta. I, 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 I get the pick. I, I don't know that I trust Dallas Lane four and a half. And also, are are you kind of looking at home versus road and kind of are you throwing out the window right now? Well, you know, teams still have to travel. Um, so, there's, okay. there, you know, there's that component to it. I don't know if that, you know, I think typically they say, what, three points for home field advantage. I don't know if we kind of think of it now as two or one and a half or one. I don't know what the scale should be. There's still something to be said about the travel, but certainly there's uh, where there's no fans. It's, it's going to make a bit of a difference. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what does travel, and it's defense. <laughs> it's, de- it's defense, doctor. And um, listen, I... Here, here's. I just want to talk about last year a little, a little bit, and kind of getting, getting off track a little bit as far as understanding how this works, and, and getting back to the basics and having the experience of kind of being on both sides of the table, if you will. I think we understand kind of what you're going to have to expect and root for each week when you're maybe taking phone calls on on weeks like this, or even on this season. And here's what you're doing. You're getting a Jaguar jersey. You're getting a Jets jersey. You're getting a Washington football team jersey. These are the teams that you're going to be rooting for every single week. And I am going to get that. That's going to be kind of a consistent theme of mine throughout the weeks is, look, I'm going back to the basics. This is how this works. And this is how you win. Because that's what that's what I like house, that. That's what the house needs. Uh, it's just I respect that. It's what, and, all, and also what you're going to have to do, too, you're going to need teams like Kansas City, Baltimore. And I'm even going to put I'm going to put the Cardinals in this category because I think Ooh. gamblers are going to love Kyler and Nuke. Um, yep. And for, for good reason. Right. I mean, like, why? Why wouldn't you? Um, it just feels more comfortable when you're making these uh, you know, wagers. So, listen, right off the bat on that theme, I have the Jags plus seven and a half in Tennessee and I have the Jets plus seven. That, those are just going to be two two picks this week. Uh, it's it's just going with a the theme, and then 
As I was stating how defense travels, the Washington football team, you already mentioned the eight sacks last year, and this is something that I can buy into, kind of like the Niners last year. When that defensive line started to show up and you realize week to week, this is going to be this is going to be a pain in the ass for anyone they play. This is a competitive advantage, a non-negotiable that works no matter what, that you can't really it's, – it's very, it's very hard to, to mitigate. And when I say that, I'm talking about a defensive line with Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, now added Chase Young, and edge rusher Ryan Kerrigan. These are elite players at all these positions now. They're going to be trouble every week. And so that, that's why I have the Washington football team also plus seven at – the, the gamblers, you know, paradise, Kyler to Nuke at Arizona. I think people are going to love this team now. So I'm going Washington football team plus eight. I already mentioned my other two picks for those uh, shitty dogs. But um, how, what was your response to that? Yeah, so I'll, I'll respond to that very, very quickly. I'll, I'll move down my list a little bit to the Washington-Arizona uh, game. Uh, I'm going to go the opposite there. By the way, I have Arizona minus six and a half. I'm not sure. What, what did you say you had that at? Seven. Yeah, that's seven. Okay, I'll update. I'll update the sheet accordingly. Um, I, you know, you, you just talked about this defense traveling comment. Um, <laughs> didn't San Francisco have one of the best defense in the league last year? They did, absolutely. How that how'd that go for them week one? Well, it, it, it's regressing a little bit. I mean, I think oh, so. You're 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 regressing them all the way back to the Washington football team's defense. You're going to no, put the Washington football team's defense ahead of the Niners. Well, I'll, I'll give you two examples from the past couple seasons. So a couple what? seasons ago, no, listen to me, all right? A couple seasons ago, Jacksonville was, without question, the number one elite defense. They regressed horribly the following season. It was the same group of guys, really. Um, and it's just, it, it's hard to continue and be this elite defense and get all these defensive touchdowns and everything. Last season, uh, sorry, two years ago, Chicago was the same way. They were this elite defense, had like something like crazy, like eight, nine offensive, or sorry, defensive touchdowns. That's just not going to continue. It's hard to hold that up year over year. So I, I think that uh, in San Francisco's case, uh, that's happening as well. Yeah, I'm not even talking about scoring touchdowns, whatever. Just just don't get carved. And and you talked about sacks. Uh, you know, Murray was only sacked twice last week. So. Uh, I think you're way off on that, and you're giving way too much credit against an Eagle team that's just trying to get their their uh, footing right and kind of figure things out. Uh, Arizona minus seven is the play. That offense is going to be electric all year, um, and so <laughs> assuming that assuming that offense has some fun this week, let's talk about Washington's offense. Uh, they did score 24 points, uh, which is good. They only gained 240 yards. Um, That's lowest not good. yards, <laughs> lowest yards per play in the league at 3.4, uh, 2.2 yards per rush that put them at 31st, 5.2 yards per pass attempt at 27th. Um, I get it; it's only one game, but those are uh, those are pretty bad. And if you look back to last year, um, you know it's the same you know the same quarterback. You, you're not making you didn't make any progress here in week one. Uh, so I, I think Arizona easily covers the seven. I know it's a popular pick right now, but but I'm I'm with you. I, I love this Murray uh, Newt combo. Although you're not taking it this week, I, I love it, and I think it's going to be uh, be a field there for those guys. Well, you're probably not going to like my next pick then, because mm, okay. I, I don't know. I, I think they're not traveling, but I similar concept in that I love their defensive line. I think you know we talk about. What's the most effective thing in football? It's it's quarterback play, right? That's the thing that can raise and lower a team's destiny to a point. 
Now, the second most important factor is people who can kill the quarterback. And that's what I attracts me in general. In the Chargers with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, uh, they at least have some sort of semblance of a chance to possibly mitigate this offensive machine of Mahomes and the Chiefs. They're getting eight and a half points. And another thing I love, you know I love the running game, Doctor. You know it. And I want to let you know, I want to let you know that the Chargers, if you if you take out quarterback yards and running quarterbacks, the Chargers were the second best team in rushing in week one with 150 yards rushing. And I think they've found something opposite Austin Eckler with this rookie and Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. Um, I think they have something there. So I love the running. I love the defense, especially the, the front seven. And I want the Chargers plus eight and a half versus KC. And again, this is something where you know how many teasers is KC in. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, you know, hey, do you want KC minus two and a half and uh, Arizona minus one? Yes, I do. Yeah. So something's not going to work out. So, uh, look, I want the Chargers plus eight and a half points. And um, I'm almost expecting you to have KC minus eight and a half. What do you, what do you say? I, I do not have that on my, on my five. <laughs> I like your logic there. I do think, obviously, if you can run the ball against Kansas City and keep Mahomes and the company off the field, you, you're – giving yourself at least a chance to to win and i think i think uh san diego uh at least week one showed showed they could do that so um i'm i'm good with your i'm good with your pick there um and of course i mean i love the you, you gotta you gotta go opposite right there's not too many people taking the chargers um everybody's gonna be loading up on k season overall year like you already said so good luck and good I, luck with that one i will say it's not gonna work every week because i i do think in general this Casey offense now with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I don't know what you do. And, right. um, and again, remember, Mahomes last year, he was hurt a lot. He was not 100% almost all year. And I think this could be a scary year yeah. uh, with that team. So um, I think you're going to see them laying almost close to double digits every week. Yeah, and I think, you know, in this case, uh, kind of what you were saying is your best defense is a good slow offense. Yes. And that's That's what you're going to have to do. And your, right. your next pick. All right, so I'm through three. I'm, I'm going to go to my fourth one here. Uh, Minnesota at Indianapolis. Uh, I have Indy minus three. Um, and right now, at last check, I'm showing 86% of the money on Minnesota and only 14% of the money on Indy. Uh, if you remember our podcast from last year, uh, you know, similar to some of Bob's thoughts about these dog shit teams you normally have to take, Anytime you see something greater than 80-20, I'm going the other way. Something's up. Uh, so I'm taking Indy um, minus the, the three here. Uh, you know, just some quick commentary on it, too. Like, you know, Minnesota's secondary was just just carved up last week. Uh, looked, looked terrible. Um, I look for Rivers to do the same this week. Uh, I know that Colts lost Mac last week. I don't think that matters much. Hines uh, and Taylor got have that covered. And if you look at the other side of the ball from Minnesota, it just look as much as we like Captain Kirk. He's, he's from MSU. He's just kind of a middle of the road guy. There's not a whole lot there from the from the wide receiving core, uh, and I think the Colts have enough to contain Cook on the ground. So I'm going Indy minus three. I think this is a big reality set in for Minnesota fans as they go to 0-2 this week. And uh, you heard my stat earlier about 0-2 teams not making the playoffs. So uh, reality check for the Vikings. It's not going to be a good year. Yeah, tough, 
looked last week for the Vikings, um, someone did not take the shutdown seriously. They were they were clearly not clearly not honing in on their crafts. Uh, yeah. That was that was nuts. And um, a lot of people, there was a lot of talk about AR12 kind of maybe you know in decline. I, I've revenge heard last, tour. I've heard revenge tour though now after week one. I, revenge and, and, tour. And that was uh, that did not look like any decline from no. AR12 as opposed to maybe TV. 12 and, oh. uh, and uh, I, I you know I'm actually through my five picks so I, I don't have um, a lot to add for, for my uh, takes here but I did I, I know you're a big TB12 guy mm-hmm. and uh, we were messaging a little bit last week during the game and I maybe had some disparaging comments about his performance I thought they were fair and I noticed that you were kind of you, you weren't reacting or saying much in response and I thought I wanted just to are you okay are you feeling well, okay Bob, about? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know this. I have a young child, um, and he demands, <laughs> he demands attention at different times during the day. So sometimes <laughs> I, I just don't have the ability to respond yeah. to certain at certain times or on certain topics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, TV twelve is fine. It's, it's, this isn't gonna happen. This isn't gonna happen overnight. I get it. Everybody wants to talk about that pick six. It was a horrific throw. I mean, it was five yards to the inside. It was awful. Like there's no, there's no debate. But, you know, the team itself, I think, made some other mistakes that, that kind of kept them out of the game, too. So, look, just give give these guys a few weeks. Let, let's give them to, you know, week five or six to see if there's something there. If, if they are, you know, two and four or three and three, um, you know, maybe we can have that discussion. But let's let, let's give them a little a little bit of leeway here to, to kind of adopt the, the culture that, that Brady is used to used to seeing. Okay. And I, think, I-, I think that'll happen, Okay, I just noticed uh, you're pretty quiet. And it kind of reminded me of that. I, t- um, I told you I have a child. <laughs> yeah, I know. Go, go to the child well. Uh, uh, child, no, I, yeah. I, well, it just reminded me of when we were watching that Titans playoff game last year. And uh, as that game went on, he just got quieter and quieter. The eyes got I a little had, glassy. I, I, I also had a child. Oh, you were, we were together, weren't we? <laughs> we were together. <laughs> yeah. But I had to leave early because I had to get home. Yeah, time. all I remember yeah. is just you abruptly leaving without saying a word. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, all right. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> I, I have one more. I have one more pick. If you're done with yeah. TB12, or do you want to continue to bash? No, 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 uh, no bashing. Go ahead. Well, I guess real quick before we go to the last pick. On the flip side, Cam Cam looked pretty good. I think that was uh, encouraging for for the Patriots. Yeah, I I really believe that they're going to run him into the ground and they're just going to use up whatever he has left, uh, which is fine. And I, I think it's going to be effective, to be honest. Uh, I, I think I'm very curious. I'm not. I don't have a strong take on that game, but Sunday night, Seattle, um, with the Patriots, I, I must watch television. Yeah. Okay. So my last pick is uh, New York at Chicago. Oh boy. Chicago is currently minus five and a half points. We have our first RLT of the year. A little reverse line trend. Uh, <laughs> 75, 71% of the plays are actually on the Giants, um, which, you know, would lead you, this line opened at minus four, by the way, which would lead you to believe the line would, would go the other way. It's not, it's moving the opposite way. So that's a reverse line trend. It's got Chicago all the way up to five and a half. Um, look, this one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that it's that large. So I also like it for that reason. I think the main reason this line is moving that direction is because of the swag 
that uh, Mitchie picked up during week one. I mean, not only did he clown Matty P's defense on the field, uh, <laughs> he embarrassed him in the postgame presser, basically saying, I knew exactly what they were doing. I just, I can attack. Uh. When, when Mitchell is saying, I know what you're doing and I can attack, like that's... <laughs> That's a not a good look. <laughs> like, you, yeah, he should be he should be fired immediately. <laughs> yeah, right. Once he's able to say that, he should be fired. So Mitchell's got a lot of swag. That's the only reason uh, this line can be what it is. And uh, I got I got the Bears minus five and a half. But man, what a bad look for Matty P after Week One. Mitchell Trubisky will not be starting in the NFL next year. <laughs> he might not be starting by the end of this season. I mean, th- that's how bad this guy is. They didn't he's... re-up him. And he's he's going he's not going to be a part of the Chicago Bears franchise next season. No. Like this, he's going to be two and zero on Sunday at four o'clock. <laughs> well, look and and you know T's and P's to you. I, I have no. I don't want to do anything with this game. This game is uh, disgusting to me. But uh, look, I, I just I, I I can only say so much about the Lions. Uh, you know, we we are just to let everyone know we are uh, in Michigan. We are you know Lions. I don't know if you'll call them fans, but that's the team basically we we get to see every week. And uh, what a disaster. It, it's, it's just a recurring theme. It's, it, last year we talked about this and I said, it's a tradition like no other. It, before Halloween, you're already talking about a new coach, the draft, and uh, a new regime. <laughs> that, that's like, it's what we're talking about. And I, you, know, you know I love to uh, poke in on Detroit radio just to hear like what the chatter is. Literally, the day after, the Monday after week one, there, were, there was discussions about draft, about trading Stafford, about the new regime. I, this is what this franchise has come to. It's just like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, you can't make this shit up. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a disaster. And uh, Mr. Bisky, unbelievable. Well, hey, good luck to you on Chicago. Uh, and I have it at five and a half. So, yep. That's a um, Wow. Wow. Yeah, not an inspiring performance by the Giants for sure on Monday night. So we'll see. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm through my five, you threw your five, and um, we did it. We did. Well, good luck um, to you. Good luck to everyone out there in your, uh, your, your DFS, your gambling, all your, all your endeavors. And uh, we will be back next week. All right. Thanks, Bob. That's good to be back, isn't it? At least in some limited capacity. And at least with football, it gives me some chance at forgetting about all my awful U.S. Open picks. So thank you guys for uh, listening. Make sure to follow at SportsPodHookup, at RealBobbyAdcock, uh, on the Twitter and the gram. Also, uh, check out fakepigskin.com for all the content there. And uh, yeah, good luck out there. We'll see you next week. <laughs>